your priority. Number five, travel lenses. Welcome to the Aperture Priority Podcast, an Avila Studios production where it's all about photography and fun. Now open up that aperture and let some creative light in. to Aperture Priority, show number five. I've been off for a while. I had a finals in school and I'm over that. And today I got a new co-host with me. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Joe. Well, thank you, Tony. Uh, Joe Engelbrecht. And I understand that, that that last name causes a few people to stumble, but it's a good Norwegian name. And uh, I've had it uh, for quite a while. I'm, I'm kind of attached to it, but I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, so give us a little bit of background on your uh, also passion for photography. Well, sure. Uh, I uh, got into photography when I was uh, young. My mother was instrumental in doing a lot of uh, photography around the house, and she was the official camera person, and she really got into it. She bought a Minolta um, uh, SLR and had all the lenses, and she was really serious about it, and I kind of picked it up from her and I was in high school. I was the geek in the dark room for the <laughs> annual and, you know, come out smelling like, uh, stop bath vinegar and all that. And, uh, went through and made a living in photography for a number of years. Did a lot of commercial photography, mostly in the fashion industry. Did a lot of product photography for jewelry stores and that type of thing. Uh, and like so many other people in photography, that was what I did for a living. But what I really enjoyed doing was nature landscapes, but, uh, hard to make a living doing that. And so that's, that's where I am today is, uh, back in photography. I took a little break and went into uh, nonprofit, the nonprofit world for a while and, uh, got back into photography about six years ago. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I remember, and we're both part of the same, uh, camera club that was started by our, our late friend mm. terry terrence mcgraw right and uh i i knew terry boy back to the mid 90s mm -hmm. so yeah, i was sad uh this uh when he passed uh right at the new year but uh yeah and i'm i'm the same thing i i i try now to focus on my passion right right the the, the work stuff just got to the thing you know i i, I still in do enjoy when I photograph the wine bottles, you know, so that, that really is a challenge for the, for the glare and everything. Sure. But, uh, my passion now is going out and doing something for myself. Right. Right. <laughs> well, you were showing some work this morning. It was pretty, uh, pretty good. And wasn't wine bottles. Yes. 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 And I, I also, uh, so let's start off. I've been, uh, I'm still, I'm still checking the Nikon rumors. I'm still waiting <laughs> for that mirrorless camera, any little leak. Uh. And I still, the details are sketchy. So I, yeah. I'm just hoping it's like, uh, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, Nikon is probably one of the most secretive corporations on the planet. I think, I think they hire ex CIA people to do their marketing or something. Really? <laughs> uh, interesting. Inter the, the rumor I heard was that they are waiting for the market to shake out to see what's working and what's not working. And we, and you know, I had that conversation this morning about some of the physical limitations of the mirrorless bodies and the lens and the backwards compatibility that Nikon has been so famous for. Yes, and I, I'm I'm waiting to see if it, if it is going to be the Z mount lens, mm -hmm. and what lenses are they going to come out? And also, if they are going to have an adapter, is Nikon going to be bold and daring to include the adapter with the camera? Right. In my part, that's a little bit of wishful thinking. That'd be nice. Because I remember when, I, and I used to work at a camera store back in the day. I worked at Mike's while I was going to COS. Mm. Nikon was notorious. You would buy their camera. They wouldn't give you a camera <laughs> strap that said Nikon. You had to purchase that yellow yeah, and black. Yeah. And so now I'm hoping maybe they'll do that and make it competitive. Mm. But I, we'll see. Yeah. Then I'm looking at, there's one uh, interesting camera that supposedly Fuji is going to come out with. They came out with this GFX50S, 
which is their mirrorless medium format. Mm -hmm. The rumor is they're going to come out with a smaller version. It's going to be the GFX 50 RR for rangefinder. Mm. So it's going to be a little bit smaller, but it's going to be more of a true rangefinder. Uh, how I read it on their rumor site that that really got my attention because mm. I loved shooting medium format before I switched to digital. It's like all my friends were selling off their medium format and going digital. Right. So I was buying, I was getting a great deal on all this medium format gear. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, <laughs> now I got to sell it. Yeah, you know? now I know why they were selling it, right? <laughs> you know, but this kind of intrigues me because the one rumor I read, it's going to be priced right at the, like almost the D850 price range, maybe a little bit more, like a $4,000 range. I see. So that intrigues me that all I need is a couple of lenses, and I think this would be a great little uh, uh, travel lens if you, a camera if you want to go out and do uh, some kind of neat street photography. I know people don't use medium format for street photography, but there was a photographer, and I can't think of his name that I used to like. I think it was French, and he used to use the Mamiya 7, mm. which was a medium format uh, rangefinder mm -hmm. body. And I used to just love his black and white work. So now mm. I thought, hey, wow, this would be a cool little thing that's not an SLR. Maybe it would challenge me. Mm -hmm. I, I'd like to challenge. Now Now that I got away from zoom lenses, it's making me think more. Right. So I kind of, I saw, I'm, 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 I'm intrigued by this, but... When it's going to be rumored out, I'm wondering if Fuji's waiting to rain on uh, uh, Nikon's parade when Nikon says, look at ours, brand new thing. And Fuji goes, hey, guess what? Yeah, steal their thunder a little bit. Yeah. The only other new little things, Fuji did come out with a little uh, X-T100, which caught me off guard. It's a 600 entry, I don't know if you want to call it entry-level uh, mirrorless camera. I do like their system. I, I will have to say I'm a little... Uh, uh, I know I don't want to say Fuji fanboy, but I do like their cameras. They, I, I, I thought here's a, a company that's kind of doing it right. And one thing that I really like about Fuji, they came out because I have the XT1. They came out with a firmware update not too long ago for the XT1. They do seem to take care of their uh, customers, mm -hmm. you know, and that's and that I really admire them for that. So uh, I, I've seen the $600 price range. I don't know if that's true, but if somebody's entering something, maybe a little travel camera, that, that'll be kind of neat. Crop sensor, I suppose. Crop sensor, yes. Yeah. They, they uh, uh, I guess I guess it made sense for them not to get into the full frame. They figured, you know, Nikon, Sony, Canon, uh, Pentex is still there. Uh, maybe they're like, hey, let them have that. Right. And we'll get into the crop sensor and now in the medium format. So right. that looks, maybe that's a interesting strategy. Yeah. yeah. The only other thing on news, anybody who has a uh, Nikon D5, there's an update firmware. And, and I have two friends that have D5. So there's some kind of firmware update on that and the full front, not, the medium format GFX film, the the GFX 50S, um, the medium Mac, uh, mirrorless uh, body for Fujifilm. And I have friends that have these three cameras, oh, two cameras, uh, three different friends. So, you know, I figured that'd be kind of good. Firmware, I found it's, uh, I, I would say on cameras anymore, I, in my older cameras, I didn't upgrade. On the new ones now, I do. And the interesting about, especially when I got into the Fuji, there's firmware also for the lenses, which kind of, caught me off guard it's like wow yeah this is getting really sophisticated well you know the the d5 firmware update has a really interesting feature that i hope nikon rolls out to maybe the 850 or the 810 perhaps and it's like a one button reset where you can reset your uh configuration to the previous configuration with one button. So that's an interesting. That one. is interesting. Yes. And I, I, that uh, came out with a firmware update and I, that's interesting. And I hope they do that, roll that out to the other models. I hope, I hope, I hope so too. I hope they kind of, I'm still waiting. I would love to see a camera manufacturer just go crazy and do something different and hire somebody that either programs for the iPhone or Android 
with right. a nice interface that that <laughs> that just gives you the basic things. You, you could have the deep stuff there, like the real technical stuff, but right. just where everything's at your fingertips yeah. instead of menu down, yeah. down, 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 over, it, over, down, yes, down. Yes, so yeah, so whoa, uh, that's that's my wishful thinking. But let's lead into today since I, I just finished, of course, uh, last week we had finals. So I had to turn in my grades and my uh, classes. And so I'm done for school until mid-August. Uh, so I thought I'd, today's show would be about uh, uh, travel and what tra- what's a good travel lens mm. to look at. And I know you're going to be traveling here right. pretty soon. That's a great question because um, it, it presupposes a few things. One. I've traveled throughout Central America and throughout the United States and Europe, and I've traveled by myself. I've traveled with people. I've traveled with family. And what I have found is that those things have a factor on my gear selection. And I'm assuming that we're we're talking to photographers that are serious photographers, uh, professionals, or uh, aspiring professionals, or serious amateurs, however you want to uh, classify that. And so, and the way I classify that, by the way, is that it, is you're going to do something with the image when you get back with uh, like something like Photoshop or something instead of right. show it on your phone to your friends. You're actually going to print it. That, I guess that would make the difference. So, for example, when I uh, I've been to Guatemala several times, and I've been to the very rural parts of Guatemala, and the way I pack and, and plan for that trip is different than, say, a trip that I go to uh, Yellowstone National Park or, or take a trip in the United States. And it's even different than the way that I would select my lenses for a trip to Europe. Uh, and, and we've all been there where you, you, ha- you have to decide what kind of environment you're going to be working in. Not just the physical environment, but there's issues of, of safety. You know, uh, there's places in parts of the world where you don't want to have a big lens and a big camera and be out there by yourself, especially if you're a lady uh, traveling alone, for example. That's a different different mindset than you and I, you or I going to these same places. So, so the lenses that you know, if you, you're going to take one lens or two lenses, and, and the obvious answer to me for just one lens, if you had to stick to one, it'd be uh, like a twenty-eight three hundred. I mean, just a walk-around lens. Again, if you're really serious about it, then you may want to take some uh, another uh, another lens. But if it's if you're going with family or going with friends that are not photographers, you know, you're not going to have the time or their patience to put up with a lot of uh, photography. So, twenty-eight three hundred is an ideal lens. Marry that to your 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 body that the one that you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I went to Guatemala with a Nikon 810, and I had people looking at me, you sure you want to take that kind of a camera to Guatemala? I says, sure. But I know the environment, you know, and I know the protocols, and mm-hmm. and so it wasn't an issue. So that would be, a single lens would be, that that's a pretty good lens for catching everything. Now, if you really want to produce excellent photo- photographs, things you're going to bring back and print and mat and hang on the wall and, and sell, what have you, uh, and then you're talking about a slightly different lens selection. So, what are your thoughts about the twenty-eight three hundred? I have, I have. Let me think. I think I've used it before. I have a friend who has it, mm-hmm. and he really loves it. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the uh, odd birds. I'm that this guy that, uh, for some reason, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you a story. Uh, few years ago, I, I used to go with a good friend of mine. Uh, his name's Doyle Reese, uh, Doyle Weiss, another photographer from Tulare, my hometown. We were traveling, and we were somewhere up and down the coast, and we stopped, you know, to get gas, and uh-huh. I went in to go get a water or something. And there was this little, like, map thing, and it was showing all the missions in mm. California. Yeah. So, as we left, I was talking to, you, to him, and I was like, hey, do you know where some of these missions are? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to show you some of these one of these days, you know. And uh, and the first one he showed me, I think, was Mission San Antonio. And in San Antonio, the saint, that's that that was my dad's favorite saint. That's what he named me after. And it's I think, if I remember right, it's on an old military base, or it's still a military base. You could drive there. 
And there's this mission just sitting out in the middle of nowhere. Mm. So my bucket list that I have, I was going to photograph each one. I was going to go up down the coast. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I was going to do it with a 4 by 5 camera because I had just bought a 4 by 5 camera. <laughs> now, mind you, this is right before digital took off. Uh. So what, what, what happened after that, it was like people, if you would bring 4 by 5 film and people were like, what do you want me to do with this? Yeah, exactly. yeah what is that? What so, is that? Yeah. So I look at a little bit more. If I were to take one lens, and for some reason I fell in love with this one lens, mm -hmm. that that when if I do this thing on my bucket list would be for some reason I love the Nikon twenty four millimeter one point eight, which I could do a lot. Even if I go in the street, I could mm -hmm. do a lot with it. It's a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. The form factor. I like the twenty four millimeter that's just me personally field mm -hmm. of view mm -hmm. but i would have to say i have a friend who bought the nikon the 14 is it the 14 to 24 yes. zoom the mm -hmm. 2.8 right that's a nice lens yes and that's when i wrote down when we're talking about today but then i have heard a lot about the tamron the 15 to is it the 15 to 30 i think or 35 35 Five, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. It's a fifteen to thirty-two point eight. Now these are a little bit more on the prime side, right? But to me, if I'm going to do that thing where you know it's going to take time, and and those of you who are not from California, and I'm going to fight that Southern California traffic, <laughs> it's something that I want to do right. That I'm not going to want to. Not right. that I don't like right. Southern California, but when you get on the five, the grapevine, it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those, it's a chore. Mm -hmm. So I look a little bit more at, at using a prime, but now these zooms intrigue me because you got a nice variation. Right. And what I understand about these zooms that, uh, and it doesn't matter if it's a Nikon, a uh, Tamron or a Canon, mm -hmm. that they've really put a lot of research in them and they're pretty good and i heard also good things about the sony because i think zeiss designs the lenses for sony yes i think that's true yeah so i kind of look at something like that it to me again i'm, I'm looking more at the top end mm -hmm. but it, again it depends what you kind of want to do uh, with their images so i was looking at that and honestly a lot of times anymore I think I have one zoom lens left that sometimes I stick on my camera. Right. Everything else is prime. Right. And that's a great, uh, a great argument is our debate is prime versus zoom. And, and if you're, there's no doubt the primes are going to give you better optics for that, that range. Absolutely. Uh, a lens like the 28, 300 Nikon has a very compact. It's a very, it's a very travel friendly lens. Mm -hmm. Canon's is a little bit bigger a little heavier, still doable. Uh, it's a favorite of mine if I had to just choose one lens because I like to shoot candid street scenes and I like to stand across the street and mm -hmm. I need that reach, you know, to, to get the emotion of the moment. And uh, obviously a 200 or 300 prime would be totally out out of the question right and we were talking today in our group and uh betsy was talking about a friend of her she knows up north in the modesto area who who shoots this nikon 200 f2 which yeah it's a beautiful lens would i travel with that i would get the biggest right. insurance thing on that thing because you're <laughs> gonna have the biggest targets you're pulling out a beast you know right. to go hey look right. you know and I don't want to lug around a big beast. That to me is, you know, if 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 I were living in one of these towns and I see that, I'd, I'd run. It's like, oh God, <laughs> you know, they're going to pose me or something. Exactly. So it's very intimidating too. That if you're trying to photograph and you got this honking piece of glass in front right. of you, exactly. So well, again, it gets back to what you're trying to accomplish with your with your um, travels. Mm -hmm. If I were traveling with uh, a small group or a fellow photographer, or an understanding spouse, I would take a couple primes, and you know, take because you know, like you said, the feet are your zoom, and you can 
walk here and walk there and do that. Uh, But if you're going to do, if you're part of a group, so when I packed to go on a cruise to Alaska, for example, I had a different mindset than when I packed to go to um, Central America or if I'm flying or traveling domestically. Uh, Ideally, uh, that's, that's the factors that I look at when I, and you know what's interesting on security issues, for example, I've never had a tr- never had a problem with having anything taken from me or stolen from me, except one time, and this was uh, of all places was a, a hotel in Ireland, and uh, my my phone came up missing. You know, I left it in the room, and I uh, it disappeared, and and working with people in the hospitality industry foreign travelers are a, a target for that kind of thing because uh, who's going to report that? I mean, are you going to stick around and make a police report? And So the, the, the idea is that you take these equipment with you and it's on your body. It's physically attached to you for the every, everywhere you go, basically. So weight is important. So Ansel Adams was asked this question, what kind of camera and lens would you take uh, would would you take out into the field? And his answer was kind of interesting. He said, I would take the biggest, heaviest camera I could carry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he was, of course, trying to get huge landscapes. So again, it's, it really depends on what kind of photography you want to do. And uh, the 28-300 is just, you know, it's hard to go wrong. I really like the lower end, like you were talking about the 14 to 24s for architecture and land and you know, those kind of things and interiors, what have you. So, you know, if I could fudge and say two lenses, I'd take a, a wide angle and then mm-hmm. that 28, 300. Yeah. Cause the other thing I think too is what you have to fit these things in a camera bag. Right. And, you know, and then, and then do you want to take a, you know, maybe a flash with you, you know, you know, just in case it, you know, for certain things. So, well, you start adding a flash, extra batteries. Oh, my grip. Oh, well, hey, wait a minute. I better take a backup camera. (laughs) I'll take the little one. So, you know, after a while, your, your bag can get big. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that, uh, in, I'm going to be traveling more this year up and down the coast. Mm-hmm. I want to try to make it all the way up to Humboldt. Here in California, we don't have to worry too much. In this year on the coast, but it's not that hot about humidity. Right. But if I were going to Central America, there's certain places that I'll, I'd like to go visit. I know you get more to the by the rainforest, more humidity. Right. And somebody like me that's not used to that humidity, carrying gear would probably be a burden right i agree and and well if you're traveling up in the mountains and you're not used to eight thousand foot elevations that all that all uh factors into it so it really is a very personal decision about this particular trip so there isn't one lens that is made for every destination it really you have to take that into consideration and again we've all had this experience i'm sure where you you're going to go on a, a a trip and you bring your spouse or family or someone, a non-photographer, and you have this mistaken notion that you're going to have time to take some serious photographs. And you find yourself holding a camera in one hand and a shopping bag in the other, and you're trying to take a photograph of a, of a street scene that's really intriguing, and you know, you're totally out of your element and unprepared for that. So... We've all had that experience. So the the type of traveling you do is important. I mean, take a phone. Yes, take a phone. I mean, the, what is the what is it? A twenty two millimeter lens on the front of these phones? Yeah. Now they have that thing where it it does like a variable zoom mm, or yeah. something like yeah. yeah well, they the, they do the have that technology. digital zoom, but that's you know that's that highly desirable. But uh, you know, take take a Take a phone. That's the best camera if you're not serious about putting it on the wall. And even some of those photographs are, I mean, they're they're producing some serious megapixels now. Oh, yeah. When I was up in Springville last week, a new friend of mine, uh, Lotus, she mm-hmm. was the model photographed, and her family has this beautiful area. They're right up in, uh, right when you turn 
if anybody knows where Springville, California is, as you're going up to the park, there's the big white barn. Mm, yeah. You turn left and you go up a bit and your folks have a house there and the river comes behind it. It's, it's more like a stream right now. Right. You walk in, it was like this beautiful fantasy forest scene. And I was over there setting up my light, you know, and doing others. She goes, and she just got the iPhone 10. Mm-hmm. And she goes, hey, uh, what's it, or 10X, whatever it's called. And she goes, hey, can do you mind? And I was like, no problem. She goes, I'm going to Snapchat or do Instagram. And I, you know, right. I'm over here metering and doing all this. <laughs> and I take this picture of the tin. Then I look at it. It's like, this is kind of nice. Yeah, it's shocking. <laughs> well, again, you're look, if you're going to consume that photograph on a monitor, like a computer or a tablet or a phone, I'd say take a phone. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, if, if that's what you're going to do with your photographs, then yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother even taking a, a body and a camera or a lens. Yeah. Cause I've always found a, a lot of experience I've, I've found with somebody, you know, and you take the camera and you go to do something and you're getting ready to go out to an event and they just look up at you and you're like, really? You're really going to bring that, you know? And it's like, what? Really? Yeah. yeah. You're going to ruin our day yeah, because now, you know, now, it's yeah. like, you're the only one in the whole group yeah. that has to wait for, well, I mean, how, how long does it take to yeah. take a picture anyway? Yeah. They're like, for once, just once, can you leave the camera here? Just leave it at home, you know? And yeah. it's just kind of one of those things. But, you know, I get I'm that weird one that likes it to do, you know, to set up, I'll sometimes would just set up and I go in my own little world. But I've, I've ran into situations where I'm too focused. Mm-hmm. Like once I was up at, uh, I think it's called, is it Rock Dome or Dome Rock just above Porterville in the park? Mm. It's before you get to. The, I think the, that's Dome Rock. Dome yeah. Rock, yeah. It's yeah. before you get to the Trail of a Hundred Giants, right? And I'm a, I'm right up there, and I'm composing, and I was with my friend Johnny. Oh, you you were on top of where the slopes yes, down, and then yes. it just sort of like goes, yeah. drops off. Yes. Oh my. And there's and there's this tree that's dead that grew, and I and I did this black and white shot. Yeah. And I composed it right, and I did everything. And my friend Johnny was near me. He was, but I didn't know this. He told me he had a panic attack. Oh my goodness. So he walked off, but he didn't want to startle me. Mm. So I see him walk off. Then I look at the tree. Then I look to, to the right and I'm like, I'm on the curb. I'm on this. <laughs> You're on the event horizon. <laughs> so I just got my camera up, grabbed my bag and walked oh, to the God. other end. And I go, I asked him what happened. And he goes, Oh man, where you were at, I, I, I got a pet. I, I didn't want to startle you. And he says, I told him, well, you could have let me know that. Hey, Tony, you're a little bit on yeah, the edge. Right. Yeah. And so that I sometimes I, I get that tunnel vision. I'm, I'm my own worst enemy on that. Mm-hmm. And I try to watch it and I try not to get it in an area I don't know very well. Right. Again, being up there the first time. And then I noticed after I left, there's a little tent there. And I'm like, why would they be sleeping there? I noticed, oh, they're right the rock climbers so mm. this is something they do all the time right so, so this is their backyard of you know, mm-hmm. that they know what they're doing up right here. i'm a noob up here i'm like wow this is neat this is a big it's like a dome and then it's like yeah it's yeah. curving you know right and it's like and there's, uh, a, there's a point of no return yes and, yes oh so i goodness. started thinking no because i got mesmerized because because being that high altitude mm-hmm as I was setting up, you actually see a cloud form in front of you, like yeah. the wisp. And then it's like, oh, wow, because it's getting out to the late right. afternoon in the in the sequoias mm-hmm. here in California. And it was like, then but the, I let all that go and said, okay, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go. There's trees over there right. in scenery. It wouldn't matter what lens you had if you'd gone over the edge. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so being aware of your surroundings, you know, uh, I've heard stories of travelers that take big expensive cameras and large lenses and they're serious about it and those things are ripped from their hands by traveling motorcyclists or Mm -hmm. you know so again being aware of your surroundings uh, and the lens that you take a lot of people would say make it inconspicuous make it small Mm -hmm. uh, you know travel don't bring attention to yourself and that's hard to do when you have a a 400 millimeter lens on the front of your camera so the the only reason I favor that twenty eight three hundred is because it is so compact. compact it's it's yeah. probably four inches uh, when it's 
uh, withdrawn in. And then, of course, your choices, too, are excellent for. So what would you take? Uh, a lot of people will travel in Europe, for example, and, and interior shots like the cathedrals and what have you, right. no flash. Uh, would you take uh, the the fastest lens you have, or what, what what would you take for that particular application? I probably would, or I would seriously look at one of these, uh, the fifteen to thirty or the fourteen to twenty four. Mm-hmm. The reason why, because you get into some of these cathedrals, will be massive, and right. some of the other ones may be smaller, mm-hmm. so you may not have. And then the other thing you got to think of. Uh, to sit more and try to compose. Well, you can't have a tripod, and so you you got to think that you mm-hmm. may be with the crowd, so you may need that. That zoom is mm-hmm. going to be probably more of an advantage. Yes, because you can zoom with your feet, but you may be running into other people. Right, right. and the zoom gives you options. You know. Yes. Again, if you're not going to put this on a metal print hanging in a gallery the zoom is going to be adequate for almost any purpose i can think of yeah because i can imagine if you go to the sistine chapel right you're probably not going to have time to put a tripod on or you're going to be escorted out uh you aren't even supposed to take photographs inside the in the michelangelo's ceiling but as they heard you through there beforehand there's an incredible amount of art that you just are stunned by if you've never been you can take photographs of that, but once they get you in the actual chapel, they they have the the docents scanning the crowd, looking for people taking photographs, oh. and, and they will chastise you and maybe worse. <laughs> uh, now I'm not going to say whether or not I ever took a photograph in there or not, because uh, who knows who's listening. But, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I certainly didn't have a big camera with a big lens. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So that that's where I, I that's why I thought yeah these. Zoom lenses are a little bit more. Like, for instance, I believe that the Nikon one goes for, I believe, around nineteen hundred. The fourteen to twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. That's part of what they the, the holy trinity of yes. Nikon lenses. Yeah. Now this, uh, yeah, it's nineteen. Now the the Tamron, it's it's a thousand dollars. It's about a thousand thousand, almost eleven hundred. Mm-hmm. Now. If you were to ask me when I used to work at Mike's in the camera store and I was going to college, mm-hmm. if you'd say, Tony, hey, what kind of lens? If you had Nikon, I'd say, get Nikon. You had Canon, get Canon. I'd, right. I'd say, get away from the third party. But I can't say that anymore because everybody's telling me now, Tony, no, no, no. You need to take a look at these. And I understand they're well built. So you don't have to make an enormous investment. Now, mm-hmm. if you're not a wedding photographer or you, where you need the holy trinity of right. lenses and you're traveling, this may be a good travel zoom. If you again, if you want to go to that top end, but there's usually the one that's, I think, uh, Canon has the ones that are the F4s mm. and also Nikon. I wrote it down here. Nikon makes the 12 to 24. It's the it's for the uh, crop sensor, mm-hmm. and I believe on all the other Nikon cameras, if you put put it on, it, it automatically will adjust your viewfinder so you see what yes. you're getting. Right, and so that's not an, too an expensive list, and it's, it's an F four, which today's film the the, the, the ISO the, uh, yeah the, the low ISO light level capacities, you know, and that's and that's a great point too because. The, the modern bodies like uh, Nikon and Canon's bodies have been that are out for the last two or three years have incredible low level low light performance. Uh, I've done some tests that have have shown me that most people can't tell the difference with the noise under sixteen hundred ISO. I get they can't tell the difference between sixteen hundred and a hundred ISO. Uh, yeah, I know I, you can blow it up and you can see it, but. It's so easy to fix. It's so subtle that I, I would never. In fact, I have to get over the fear of going above four hundred because you know yes. the days of film. Yes. you know four hundred was was like the barrier, the sound yes. barrier, and, and and your world came to an end if you went to eight hundred because the grain was so big. You know, you couldn't do. And sixteen hundred was completely, yes. totally. You must be out of your mind to shoot that unless you're shooting high school football at night or something yes yes that's that's what they would use yes they would use that yeah because i also used to work at the at the times delta yeah 
and pre uh, and digital it was starting to come in and uh when i worked at albert's i would have i back in the day they were the only ones in this part of the valley uh i had a uh high-end film scanner mm-hmm. and so some of the photographers that worked for them when they would send their pictures out for competition they would have uh they would work on them digitally and have me make slides off their digital files to send off the competitions. Mm. And I could tell the sports guys because <laughs> you would look at it and it was like, Hey, but for yeah. shooting total darkness, I know. it got, was you, like, Hey, wow. You got an image. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, but you expected it. Yeah. Now it's like, wow. I mean, they've, things have changed, which is good. It's, uh, I, I'm seeing them. They, they're pushing it. I would like to see them push them further but yeah, i'm being yeah. picky you know sure it's just like okay again i'm i'm i guess i guess i really want to be wowed more it seems like uh if you look with what happened in the computer world and the mobile computing and phones mm-hmm. it's like wow they're making these leaps and bounds and it's like the camera manufacturers are kind of like I, I i don't know they i they just seem like they're content the biggest upgrade is the number of megapixels, and but that's about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, after a while, there's only going to be so many those megapixels that they could put on that size of sensor. Of sensor, right? So what are you guys? You know, like what are they going to do now? Are you guys right. going to give us something uh, that you could virtually see in the in the dark, or is it something that's going to work more like your eye? And you could, and when you put in these tricky light situations it, it'll be able to give you that uh mm. larger uh bit depth where you capture more right what what's the next or have, deal? have uh multiple focus uh points in the same image so that you can draw out a different focus plane within the same file that would be uh, interesting and the technology is there it's just a matter of putting it out on the market yeah, so I would like to see, again, I want to see these guys, you know, wow me. It's it's because I, I think back when I shot my Hasselblad and I had a Nikon F100. Mm-hmm. There, it was the uh, film technology that changed. Right. So you're basically, cameras function the same. So now you're paying a lot more. So if, if I go to buy, it doesn't matter that the, I won't say like the D5 and the one uh, DX of Canon, but let's say like the D850 and the Canon 5D Mark IV mm-hmm. and the Sony, is it the, the A7. A, A7III right. R or something right. like that? They're all there. And, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, close ones here, ones there. But it's like, okay, in in two years when you upgrade, what are you going to upgrade to that I'm going to pay that thirty two to $3,500 range? Or more. Or more. Right. I mean, that's a great point. Wouldn't it be wonderful if, if, if you had a body, you built a body, and then you updated the software? Yes. And the hardware was, wasn't, you didn't change the hardware every three or four years. Yes. Or every year or two. I mean, how how long was it between Nikon's eight hundred, the eight ten, and the eight fifty? Not not very long. Not very long, especially between the eight hundred and the eight ten. Right. I mean, they went eight hundred, then they came out with the eight hundred. Uh, the well, yeah, the E, e the E. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Right. So, so. It, it's where they took out the uh, what do you call the, the filter? bypass filter? Bypass yeah. filter. So that was big. But yeah, I'm I'm just wanting more. Lens technology is interesting. I keep seeing these lenses. Now, I did write down one of these, um, and I, I, I wrote down these three lenses. The reason I did, if you had time mm-hmm. and you had space in your bag, right, and you want to get brave and you want to do, uh, last year I got into astrophotography. Mm-hmm. And you don't need an autofocus lens uh, as a matter of fact, do not try to autofocus <laughs> at night in the sky. Yeah, right. Because your camera is going to go the, crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there's a company called Rokinon, and I know a couple of people mm. have gotten these. And it's a 14 millimeter 2.8. It's like $329. Yes. But here's the trick about Rokinon. 
and everywhere I read now it, again, this is a lens that for one little purpose, if you're out and maybe the Paris sky and you want to do a great night shot, you know, with the stars and everything, uh, you, uh, what I do, I set it at a hyperfocal setting, set it on my tripod and I usually, you know, depending shooting at F4 or if I have a 2.8, uh, you, you learn what, what your lens can do. What's called the coma, the, the, the little stuff on the edge. Your stars may look like little, almost, uh, little blobs right. because the corners aren't, it's not that they're sharp. You get this coma and sometimes by stopping it down, a stop or two goes away. So these are neat. The thing with Rokinon is, A, you're either going to get a good copy and it's going to be a wonderful cheap lens (laughs) or B, it's going to be a bad copy that you got to send it back and get a better one and get a better one. Uh And I've known people that had to send it back twice. It seems like Roki Nuns and it's also the same company as Samyang. Their their, uh, quality control is probably getting better. But it's one of those things, if you do do that, Get it and test it first before you go on your trip. Right. So you know you got a good one that you're like, why are all my pictures fuzzy, you know? <laughs> so quality control is uh, an issue. Is an issue. So you wonder, it's it's not like the days I used to hear in the old Soviet Union where uh, they made great knockoff lenses of Zeiss. Their quality control, well, depending how much vodka that person had the night before <laughs> for that day yeah. it, it was but they were built like tanks and i heard these are built well but you can get a bad copy and their hit rate is pretty you know it's there there's that one another one is my friend got this i think it's called the irix right there's irix. the firefly and there's the uh the blackstone i mm-hmm. think that's the one there's like a $200 difference between them. I think it's in the build quality. But he does a lot of astro. What he told me, and it was the same thing, that they're also known for their quality, but he got a good one. And for a fraction of the cost of a high-end one, mm-hmm. yeah, it's manual focus, but guess what? A real ultra-wide, there's not much. There's not a lot of focus. That you can right. get off. And... And if you want to experiment with some night photography, get a tripod. It, it, it is fun. I, I really enjoy it. But it helps if you have a camera that could handle the high ISO and low light. Right. Right. And, and that's another thing that worries me a little bit about the mirrorless cameras. Because I tried it on my uh, Fuji. Sometimes the sensors get warm because you're, you're doing between 20 to 25 second exposures and if you do them back to back right that sensor you'll you'll start getting artifacts Mm -hmm. so it's something to think about there another the last lens i wrote down here it's i read a lot about them i still don't know anybody personally who's bought one it's called venus optics Mm. and it's got a funny name lao i I think it's a chinese company they make a 15 millimeter and some other ones but this thing has zero distortion Hmm. and i've seen samples and it looks very interesting where you know if 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 you use like whatever camera you use in their lens you Mm -hmm. go in and you bring up the profile in lightroom and it corrects it to a point right supposedly these literally have zero distortion Hmm. have not used one so if i'm somewhere and i want to set up and and like i'm going to be out in the plains of somewhere you get these dynamic shots that interests me. Maybe you're in Paris and you're you're looking down at things like this is going to be a great shot. And I, you know, you got the buildings where you, you know, they don't look like they're falling off or coming towards <laughs> coming, you. Yeah. So, so some of these lenses, they're a little more niche, but mm-hmm. there'd be ones I like to try. But again, I'm I'm afraid. Is it going to be? Did I get a good copy or did I get a bad copy? Definitely take it out. And take it for a test drive before you get on that uh, that airplane. So, what do you think about uh, renting lenses on location? Oh yes, I I would highly recommend it. Now, uh, here here's the reason. It, let's say I was planning a trip to uh, somewhere in South America or somewhere that I'm going to go, and it's going to be one of those trips that yeah, this may be once in a lifetime, right? 
I may rent some lenses before I buy to see, are these going to be what I want? Right. And some of them may let you take, because you could get insurance on, you could probably rent it for your trip. Right. So if it's a lens that you're definitely going to want to take, and and some of these lenses, they can get up there in price. Yes. You know, uh, and so I would not, hesitate to do that because i think there's borrow lenses and there's lens rentals right there uh crowdsourcing or yeah the share the shared economy uh online uh like the airbnb of lenses exactly exactly and that to me is is that's fantastic because you can rent this lens go use it because again it could be a trip of a lifetime but you saved up for that trip Right. And now you wish that, you know, you know, because some of these lenses, I I mean, uh, God, I mean, the 35 millimeter full frame equivalent of today Mm -hmm. is almost getting on par what I would have had to bought on a Hasselblad years ago. You know, uh, it's the pricing is getting that high. So if you were traveling to Europe, and you wanted to go to Paris. We'll just pick the iconic city there. Would you consider renting lenses in Paris and traveling without any lenses from the U.S.? And when you arrived, you, you pick up your lenses. That's, you know, you try them out and you say, this is what I want. And or another another strategy that I've, I've, I haven't used personally, but makes a lot of sense to me is you take a, a lens or two. And then you supplement those with uh, some exotic lenses, like your 14 millimeter fixed lens, or uh, maybe you do want a 300 millimeter fixed or a 400 millimeter because you're going to be shooting wildlife for a day mm-hmm. and you rent it for the day. So you you rent the special application lens at the destination. That would be a great idea. Yeah. So I'm thinking that if you... It, Ideally, two lenses for me. If I if I were to pack two lenses, it would be the like a fourteen to twenty four, and then the twenty eight to three hundred, and I think that would cover me. They're both I they're both easy to carry. They're light, and I can be discreet. I can do the the candid mm-hmm. photography across the street, or I can do uh, I can m- maybe shoot a bird on a wire, or <laughs> and I can also get those landscapes and interiors, and again. I would I, I would not be afraid to, to take a 4.0 lens no. because the ISO you can bump that up to 2000 ISO and, and really struggle to see the noise. Yes, that's very true. That's very true. There's there's been a uh, I, I think back everybody wanted the fastness the 1.4s somewhere 1.2s. You know you have to step back from that mentality and and, and you really don't need that today because. Unless you're going to be with pixel peeper and blow your image up to 800% and say, oh my God, you know, uh, (laughs) I see a little speck of noise there. It's, it's, you're not going to see that. And I have seen prints from uh, high ISO that are just mind boggling. Exactly. It's it's amazing. You could not get with film. This is an exciting time to be in the, in the, in the business of photography. The, the, the technology is like everything else expanding and growing very quickly and it takes a lot of effort to yeah. to enjoy it, it, it and it, or not effort but it's 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 an enjoyable effort yeah and it, i guess it's like computers everybody says when do i jump in and it's like jump in and right. just because yeah you, you you're gonna buy that camera and you go oh if i waited six months but you keep doing that a year will go by two years will go by right is go for it i right. mean it, it, it you can't go wrong because I think if I'm not mistaken, what, what 35 full frame is now, it's already encroaching, which you used to get with the medium format back in the day. I, I agree. That's, that's the so, resolution is getting up there in the, the 40 to 50 megapixel range. It's already, we're two by two. That's right. So can't, can't go wrong. And pretty soon those cameras are going to drop down in price. Right. Right. So I guess that was great. I think we'll leave it in there for today. All right. So Joe, where can we find you? Well, uh, I manage a website for a group of photographers called Bright Angel Images, plural, dot com, Bright Angel Images. 
Why Bright Angel, you might ask? Well, my name, that Norwegian name, Engelbrecht, means Bright Angel. Oh, yes. So it's just, okay, we'll anglicize it and (laughs) put something out there. So uh, Facebook page, Bright Bright Angel Images on Facebook and Bright Angel underscore Images on Instagram. And so that's, uh, that's how you can reach out to me and you can reach me at brightangelimages at gmail.com. Oh, great, 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 yeah. Everybody can still find me at uh, com. I'm still there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the best at putting up my blogs, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm getting there. I don't have school right now, so I'll be doing that. Mm-hmm. And Tony Avila 64 at uh, 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 Gmail. That's also my Gmail, but it's uh, my Instagram, StoneAvil64. I post there more. I don't get on Facebook that much anymore, but you can find me there mm-hmm. and through my link. And, but yeah, yeah, that was a great show, great discussion. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me, and I've enjoyed it. Oh, great. And I want to leave off, and I'm going to try to get it right because I haven't said it in five weeks, but I want everybody to open up that aperture and let some creative light in. Priority is an Avila Studios production. For more information on what Avila Studios has to offer, please visit us on the World Wide Web at avilastudios.com.